All right, y'all, welcome in. Uh, since we spoke last time, Georgia has scrimmaged. Uh, we heard from Todd Munkin and uh, Del McGee. So we'll uh, touch on all that right now, but I just want to go around the room right here right now. Uh, Palmer and uh, Jake, guys, we're – how many days is it now? 17 as we record? 16? I'm, I'm 16. losing count. Day 16. Once we get under 20, I mean, it doesn't even really matter anymore. Uh, it's basically two weeks away, and, and the dogs are definitely in their season. So uh, I'm fired up. I know you guys are too. Palmer, let's start with you. The, uh, the scrimmage at Sanford Stadium, um, we heard a little bit about what went on there. We heard from Kirby after the scrimmage as well. Uh, give me kind of the big picture top takeaways that you uh, gathered from what the dogs did between the hedges. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think the big storyline of the day would be that the offense won the day. Uh, and Kirby backed that up, uh, said that, and and said that it wasn't too surprising to have that happen. Um, and I think when you look at what Georgia brings back on the offensive side of the ball, what they don't bring back on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it makes sense. Um, you know, he, he mentioned that tackling is always a concern in the first scrimmage because this is the first time you go live tackling. Uh, and that it's typically not pretty, and, and that it wasn't too pretty this Saturday. Um, so I I wrote about it on Saturday and said that I think it was a little bit of an eye-opening experience, a wake-up call, uh, that this, for Georgia's staff, seeing what they have in this offense, and that they may have to score some points uh, with a defense that's going to be learning, growing, uh, and developing a, as the season progresses um you know they're, they're not going to be their best against Oregon um you know just like you know I I think that I don't think you can expect Georgia to hold Oregon to three points like they did Clemson last year um I just don't know that they're going to have that defense to do that out of the gate uh as opposed to last year they had so much experience on that side of the ball uh it was kind of a uh an anomaly anomaly that they won uh you know that game with defense and and that they were able to do so much um that was definitely an outlier in college football and and georgia returning back to uh normalcy a little bit here with an offense that is going to be really good and a defense that's going to be pretty good uh jake you know talking about the younger guys that you just covered you wrote about the uh on three preseason freshman All-American. It's kind of a mouthful there, but uh, Georgia does land two guys on that list, and they're both on the defensive side of the ball. So what the dogs don't have an experience at some positions certainly seems like they still have a lot of talent. And like you said, Palmer, uh, you know, it's going to be tough out of the gates there against Oregon. Um, But could you see, you know, even by the end of the game, a couple big names step up uh, defensively that are freshmen, would you be surprised by that at all, Jake? No, I, you know, I really wouldn't. I, I think that those guys uh, have a lot of opportunity. And, you know, if, if it comes down to a, a tight game, you, you probably want to lean on experience a little bit more. But, you know, if there's a little bit of room for uh, error, I think that you will see those guys get a run. And I especially think that's true for Michael Williams. I think that he's a guy who can affect Yeah, Michael Williams and, and Malachi Starks. Forgot to mention their names there. Yeah, I think that's especially true for Michael Williams. I think that he's a guy who can affect the passer, even at this young stage in his career. And that's 
look, I mean, I, we, I think we all know that that's the state of college football right now is, is value on the pass rush. So uh, if they feel that he's got a shot to get to the quarterback or, uh, you know, he's practicing that well still going into that game, I, I think that there's a definite chance there. Now, you know, with safety, probably a little bit different. I think Kenny Dillingham probably take to the air a little bit with Bo Nix. Uh, you know, do you want a young guy on the back end that you want challenged? Or do you get, lean toward a little bit more experience than a guy like Dan Jackson or Javon Bullard or any of the other guys that they have back there for safety? Malachi, to me, I'm not saying he's a liability. I just think that uh, it's a little bit different when the band's playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, how much, you know, I, I'm curious to see with Lanning being a first-time head coach, how prepared is he really? And I think the element of, well, he knows this defense, he knows Georgia because he worked there. I mean, those are always overblown storylines. But to a certain extent, I mean, it's not wrong. He, he does know what Georgia has and what it doesn't have on defense. Yeah, and I think he knows the ways to challenge those guys. I think that that's really the key thing. Uh, you know, where does where does a guy like Dan Jackson struggle in coverage? You know, where does Kamari Lassiter, uh, you know, maybe lack? Is it in his backpedal? Is it uh, off the line? Can you beat him off the line? I mean, I, again, I'm not knocking any of these guys or saying that's the case, but if anybody's going to know the intricacies of these guys' game, it's going to be Dan Lanning. So you have to hope for, that they've taken a big step forward since his departure for Oregon. And if that's the case, make it a little bit harder on him. Well, Jake, and I'll yeah. hop in yeah, here. No doubt. So, somebody that you haven't mentioned that he could know the you know faults of would be William Poole. Uh, and, and I think that's another position that Malachi could factor in at his star, you know, in seeing – some of practice here throughout the preseason. We've seen him working as a dime backer, meaning that uh, a first team dime backer. Um, so, you know, that, that means that he could be on the field. They could be in their plans with six defensive backs out on the field. Um, you know, obviously working into that star position would be more of a nickel and five defensive backs on the field. Um, you know, I, I think it's a matter of time where they are waiting for. Um, they they don't they obviously don't want William Poole to mess up, but uh, they they know that it could happen. They've seen that happen before, and, and they're preparing Malachi to be you know ready to step in uh, you know there if if they need it. Um, you know he's somebody that we've heard a lot about this this fall uh, was around this spring, which is always helpful. Both those guys, Michael and Malachi, were both around this spring, uh, so very helpful in terms of their development. And, and I think that you know. Both of those positions are positions of need. Uh, you know, always need depth in the secondary, uh, especially at safety, where um, you know Georgia is is losing Lewis Seen, is losing a couple guys to the transfer portal. Uh, they they need the, that depth, uh, and, and they certainly needed it at pass rush too with Michael. Yeah, I think though this is I think it's a situation though at least from my point of view where you if you either got it or you don't a little bit with pass rush. Uh you know, I think that if you're skilled at that, that's a that's something that translates over and can translate over early. Coverage in this in this league and and against a team like Oregon, I think can be a much bigger and much taller task to uh to go up against. So you know, that's that's my hesitation, I think, with Malachi is really just that experience factor. Whereas with Williams, you know, I think that you got an opportunity there to say, hey, look, if this kid can get it done against this offensive line we've got and the, you know, uh, the, the multiple uh, experienced guys up front that Georgia has, uh, you get you got to feel good about his chances of getting it done on uh, Saturday as well. 
looking at Oregon's offensive line, I mean, that's a group that is experienced. Uh, so Georgia can't just tee off. You know, Kirby's mentioning that Robert Beal's having a quietly good camp. He had a quietly good uh, season last year, too. Um, but Georgia's not just going to be able to tee off and, and hammer that offensive line all night long. So, yeah, I mean, that's an issue. It's an issue for sure. Um, and Kirby doesn't, you know, in his press conferences, he doesn't fudge things. If he says something, you know, he's not exaggerating too much. Uh, he, he shoots from, you know, he shoots a straight. And, you know, his concerns about the depth at wide receiver, they're always going to be there. Uh, concerns right now about depth at secondary, he always has them. It's just how, how concerned is Kirby really and how bad is it in reality? That's what you really have to wait until the game to see because I don't think Kirby will ever be satisfied with his depth at those two positions. Um, speaking of the offensive side of the ball, before we get back to wide receivers for a minute, you know, if Kirby's concerned about anything, it's those groups. But if he's really excited about anybody, it seems to be uh, Kenny McIntosh, Palmer. Yeah, uh, you know, as we talk about maybe a little bit of a depth concern, uh, you know, Georgia having Kendall Milton banged up this this fall, uh, dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury, uh, that opened the door for Kenny McIntosh to, you know, take reins, uh, take the reins of that number one running back spot and and show out in in the scrimmage. Uh, Had a long run that was. Featured in the Georgia football video on Twitter, Kirby told us about it, said that maybe he credits some of it to the offensive line, uh, but either way, long run for McIntosh, um, certainly showing out early in camp, um, and, and I think that you know that people outside outside of Georgia are noticing that too. Um, you know, Jesse Simonton wrote about it, our, our SEC writer for On3. Uh, Todd McShay had McIntosh as the number 33 player in his top 50 countdown for the 2023 NFL Draft. Um, certainly, McIntosh getting some hype, uh, and, and I think folks are excited to see what he can do as he takes over, uh, you know, a, a heavier load in this offense. Um, you know, ha- has backed up Zamir White and James Cook, uh, has been, you know, kind of just a versatile player behind those two. Uh, well, now with those two gone and, and maybe Milton dealing with a little bit of an injury, um, certainly a heavier load on McIntosh. And, and I think we'll get to see what he can do this fall. I think that McShay, I think that McShay note's important too, um, because I think that you don't typically think of running backs in this era as maybe that high up the board. Uh, I think that really speaks to the versatility of Kenny and the dynamic nature of his game. I, I was talking to somebody the other day. I think he compares very favorably to James Cook and probably has a step up on James in terms of his build. I think he's a little bit bigger and, and a little bit more built for the the in between tackling run. Uh, you know, so I, I think that. Uh, you know, Kenny has that versatility, and it, I think in today's game, you're you're looking for ways to be dynamic. I think that's as important as anything that there is. I think he brings that element to, for Georgia, and I think that they'll rely on him heavily for that reason. Um, Palmer, from what you've seen and what you've heard, what is different about Darnell Washington this season? Did last season just boil down to his health concerns and Brock banging down the door and not looking back? Or has he also taken a step up uh, in that tight end room? Yeah, I think when you uh, talk to Kirby about Darnell, uh, the biggest thing is is him being healthy, like you said, and in shape. Um, you know, when you're that big and you're carrying that much weight, you have to be able to stay out on the field long enough to make an impact. 
and, and I don't know that that was a problem last year, uh, but I don't think that he was in as good of shape then as he is now um, in, in speaking with Kirby. Like, like you said, uh, dealt with a foot injury before last season. That was something that slowed him down uh, and opened the door for Brock to come on strong um, You know, right out of the gate. Uh, you know, started the Clemson game, had a big showing against UAB, uh, first touchdown, in, in, and it was a highlight one there. Um, you know, like you said, I think that they saw what they had in Brock. They didn't necessarily – they knew that they had something in him. They didn't know the extent of what they had in him uh, until they were able to see it in the fall. Um, and, and so that just meant that when Darnell was back – coming off of an injury. They knew what they had in, in Brock Bowers already. They were just going to continue to ride that as long as they could. Um, but I think this fall, you, you're, you've got, once again, Washington coming off of an injury, uh, you know, missed spring practice with a uh, also a foot injury um, that Kirby told us he, he suffered just before spring practice. And, and at that point, Washington was in some of the best shape that he had been in. Uh, we spoke to him earlier this spring. He said that he's feeling like he's almost back to that same shape. And, and I, so, you know, for me, I think that when you're that big and you're carrying that much weight, uh, you know, it's certainly important to be in shape. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of the same concerns that people have with Eric Gilbert coming back is that is he going to be in good enough shape that he can be out there every play? That's not a concern with Brock Bowers. He showed it last year uh, that he can be out there, and he's not quite as heavy as those other two. Um, so, you know, I, I think that when you've got, um, you know, somebody that big, it's important to be in shape, and uh, Washington is certainly stepping up to that challenge. Um, on the second half of this podcast, I'm going to let y'all listen to everything Brock Bowers had to say at his first media availability, I guess, since last postseason, right, Palmer? Um, yeah, so so we we got so, to talk to Brock after he won National Freshman of the Year, but this is the first time that he has spoken okay. specifically to Georgia media. Okay, well, um, I don't want to give away too much of that, but my biggest takeaway is that he uh, dips his Zaxby's NIL chicken tenders in ketchup, which was incredibly disappointing to hear. I got to tell you, um, you know, he, he's adapting to the South. But that's just that's just not how you do it. You got to have some uh, Zaxby sauce or something with a little bit more spice, a little bit more flavor. But other than that, uh, I think it's working out for Brock. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on before we get into a quick recruiting note with Jake. You know, I, I upset some Alabama fans this week. We heard from Jermaine Burton, and uh, you know, he spoke about his decision to transfer from Georgia to Alabama. He didn't really say much about it. He said it was a family decision. Big picture, I see what he's saying, but let's be real. I mean, he had more people in front of him catching passes, and you know the writing was on the wall. He was hurt, couldn't stay on the field, and other guys took advantage of the opportunity. That's part of the equation. But you know, Georgia fans are are, are laughing at, at the video I made. Alabama fans are mad about it. The whole point is, it's a good situation for Jermaine, and that's it. It's not dogging on the kids, not sour grapes. Georgia, I think, even though Kirby's concerned about it, is okay with the receivers they have if they keep them healthy. Um, and Bama just runs their offense a little bit differently. I mean, did y'all really think that, that that press conference was that scandalous? 
I certainly did not. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think that there was much to it. I think that you probably assumed, you know, uh, everything that you may have learned from that press conference, uh, you know, the, the family decision. I mean, it's, it's like we hear in recruiting all the time, you know, I got to do what's best for my family. You know, in this era, that can mean NIL deals. That can mean uh, a chance to start. That can mean any number of things. And so I, I don't think that you really learn much from it. I think it, anybody who's being honest with themselves can probably admit that, you know, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall. Uh, Alabama's had a couple thousand yard receivers here lately. Georgia's still waiting for the first one since Terrence Edwards. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's been a while. Uh, if you're a guy who wants to catch passes and values that, uh, hey, go chase that. I think that that's the right thing to do. Uh, meanwhile, if you're George Pickens, uh, you know, you can go in the second round of the NFL draft, uh, be developed by some, some uh, great coaches, and uh, look like a potential offensive rookie of the year candidate early on in this season. So there's two schools of thought to, to this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't begrudge the kid for doing what he did. If you want to catch passes, go catch passes, young man. Yeah. Everything that Jake just said there and more, um, you know, like he said, I, I don't know that we, you know, got any huge answers that we weren't expecting. You, you kind of expected to hear everything that he said um, in terms of this being a decision that, he felt like was beneficial for him, for his family, um, you know, and, and ultimately uh, I, I tend to agree with him there that if, like Jake said, if you're trying to go catch passes, uh, go to Alabama. If you're trying to win championships, stay at Georgia. Yeah, and look, it, it worked out for George. Uh, worked out really well for Pickens, even though he didn't have to put up those stats to do it. He put enough on tape, is, you know, an otherworldly talent, as we're finding out, uh, even at the NFL level. So it happens in a million different ways for guys. And if that's what Burton felt like he needed to do to put more on tape, then he'll go do it, you know? And he he was impactful at Georgia. It's not overlooked that. He made big, impactful plays, explosive plays when they called upon him. Just wasn't uh, – the volume wasn't there. And I get it. Um, last thing for you, Jake, Keon Keeley – decommits from Notre Dame, you know, big edge rusher. Georgia's in the list, in the hunt, in the mix here. What do you think the dog's chances are at, you know, testing the waters and potentially uh, swaying him away from other guys, other schools like Florida, other schools like Bama? I, look, Georgia's going to make a run on Keon Keeley. There's no doubt about that. They should. I mean, you have to with a guy of this caliber. And like you said, they're on the list, so they probably got a puncher's chance. I tend to lean toward Alabama, but I think that there's a domino that could this could affect. And that, to me, is Damon Wilson, who's another top edge rusher in this class, who's heavily considering both Georgia and Alabama. I think if Keeley ends up swaying the way of the Crimson Tide, I think that's beneficial for Georgia's chances with Damon Wilson, and that would be a huge, huge get for Georgia. Um, you know, obviously a lot of what ifs there, um, but I think that that could be probably the biggest fallout from the Keon Keeley decommitment is uh, perhaps Georgia sees an increased stock with Damon Wilson down the line if the Crimson Tide went out for Keeley. Certainly something to watch. Appreciate that, Jake. Uh, one more note, guys, before we head to break here. Stetson Bennett on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, I'm not going to even talk about the potential implications of that. Everyone saw the 2008 cover with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. But I do want to point out that he's wearing the new 
old school jersey on the front, and it looks pretty damn good. All right, uh, we will be right back after this. Going to let you all hear from the best tight end in the SEC, best freshman in the SEC last season, Brock Bowers. We'll be right back. Brock, I guess we can start by flashing back to this time last year. I mean, last fall came, did you have any inkling of what was going to come for you in the freshman season and you have one of the best pass catching seasons of Georgia players ever had? Uh, not really. I mean, I was kind of out there doing my thing every day, just uh, working hard. And I didn't really expect much for fall camp last year. Just kind of all happened. I'm pretty fast too. What, what was it like? Because obviously you come in, you got Darnell and Reed in front of you, and they they aren't aren't playing. What was that like, kind of getting thrown out of the spotlight? Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it. Like in the um, in the first game in the locker room uh, against Clemson, uh, Hartley came up to me and he was like, he's like, oh, you're taking the first the first uh, the first play. I'm like, all right, I guess I guess ready to roll. Brock, at what point did you start to feel comfortable just knowing that they were looking at you to, to make plays on a consistent basis? Uh, there was always like some sort of comfortability, but I think after the UAB game, I think I really started to settle in and stuff started to slow down a little bit. It was like uh, in the spring, I guess, uh, Coach Munkin doing a lot of, he kind of told us you do different things. How much was on your plate and how were you able to absorb so much of that offense quickly? During during the my first spring, yeah, um, shoot, it, it was kind of hard uh, just at, at the start, but I, I picked I was able to pick it up pretty fast. I mean, I mean did you ever take a break? I mean, or were you just was it just a twenty four seven deal for you learning this stuff, or was there still some time to be a student yet? Um, yeah, I mean, like like a student, like in the classroom. Well, just life just in general outside of football. Oh yeah, it, it, um, it actually wasn't too bad. Like the. Uh, he, he like categorizes stuff good. And, uh, it's it's pretty easy to learn once you get the hang of it. What's your relationship been like with uh, you know the quarterbacks? Obviously Stetson and then uh, Carson. But what's your relationship like with uh, you know Brock Vandergriff too? Like relationship like on the yeah, field or just on the field and off. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I mean, all the quarterbacks are great. They they all spin it spin it good. Like they throw it, I just catch it. Uh, so there's there's not like any huge difference on the field or. And like they can all throw, I, I'm just there to catch the ball, and they're all they're all great dudes. Love hanging with them off the field too. Brock, when I ask you about the national championship game, there's like three and a half minutes left, and make that catch and score the touchdown. Just walk me through what you remember about that play and the kind of Yeah, I remember they called it, and uh, I was like, all right, let's go. And I just remember doing my little stuff, going out, and steps kind of floated up there, and I and I thought I was gonna. Waxed by someone because it was—it felt like it was flown up there forever, but uh, just caught it. And Mark made a great block, and just no one else was out there. So just, just ran it in. What's it? Uh, what's this tight end room like? Uh, somebody joked with with Coach Muggin the other day about if they all have any four tight end sets, but uh, obviously that's a loaded room. And based on what you did last year, clearly. Munkin knows what to do with tight ends. What's what's that what's that room like? What are the relationships like within it? I mean, we're all we're all kind of rooting for each other, uh, supporting each other. It, it's it's a really good environment in that room. Just uh, everyone kind of wants everyone to succeed. And when someone else is making plays, I'm happy for them. I think when I'm making plays, people are happy for me. So it, it's it's a good environment. What do you make of the uh, records you, you set last year? I mean, it's uh, a guy that came in from California, went through a spring, and then you know put his name in the record books. Sorry, what was the question? Like, just like, just like what was, uh, what was I mean, it like? Was that kind of all inspiring that, that you, you know, did um, stuff that other people hadn't done here? 
I mean, I wasn't really focused on that. Like in the moment, I was kind of worried about every single game, just uh, just winning every single game and just trying to help the team as much as I could. I wasn't really worried about uh, all that stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. During the recruiting process, uh, I think Kirby mentioned right before the Orange Bowl that you would send videos of yourself like running up a mountain and stuff. You would set your phone down. Can you kind of talk about that and just what that process was like when you know you couldn't be on campus early? Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, d- during COVID, like we didn't have a we didn't have football season, my senior season. So uh, all there really was to do was just work out, and just every single day I'd go lift, run, just kind of do do whatever I really could. So I was uh, I was kind of like hungry to get going again. When I got back. How competitive is it in there with guys like? I mean, you're you're the All American and the record setter, but you know we see Darnell at six seven two seventy five. We see Eric, and he looks pretty imposing physically. I mean. And then there's you. What do you think about those guys, and what is that competition like when you're going through drill work with athletes like that? Um, yeah, I feel like it's kind of like the same at other positions as well. Just we have just so many like just great athletes. It's uh, it's always just kind of everyone pushing each other, and everyone's kind of feeding off each other's energy. How do you feel about all the attention drawn towards you, especially the expectations coming into this year? Do you have you doing stuff off the field to kind of get your mental right and stuff like that? Um, I mean, I'm just kind of taking every day for how it is and just um, going out there and just working as hard as I can, doing everything I can every day. What has it been like coming here from, from Napa? That's not the, the high school football powerhouse where some of these other guys came from. Just what has it been like adjusting from that? And how does playing football in Northern California help you get very close? Uh, I mean, it, it was it was a big change coming here, like culture-wise and uh, – like the level of play, obviously, from high school to college. But there, there's kind of nothing that really could have, uh, I guess, prepared me. Um, just once I got here, I had to kind of just work in and just do my stuff every day. Culture-wise, what's the biggest thing you've had to adjust to? Um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I can't understand people like the accents sometimes. <laughs> but... And some some of the food, it's just yeah. it's just a little little different things here and there. You said shoot sometimes. You sound like a southern guy. I mean, how who has really kind of taken you? <laughs> I mean, I have, I have I have Chaz Chambliss, who's from yeah. Carrollton. That's my roommate, Brock Vandergriff. He's both like the most like southern accent talking dudes, and they have rubbed off a lot. There's not a lot of freshmen that make an impact on their teams the way you did last year. What was the moment, or was there ever a moment where you're just like, wow, like this is the position I'm at? I'm, whether it was a night game in Sanford or in the playoffs where he just kind of took a second to reflect. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I was just kind of taking every game for what it was and just uh, working hard throughout the weeks. Um, like, and halfway through the season, I kind of looked back and I was like, I'm actually doing, like, pretty good. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of like surprised looking back at it. I, I don't really feel like I did much special, I don't think. I don't know. How much Zaxby's have you eaten since you got your deal, and what's your favorite dipping sauce? Um, oh, everyone's gonna hate for this, but I, I just I'm a ketchup guy, so I've been I've been eating it a little bit here and there, like going out with some people and just having it some, once in a while. Not too much though. I'm watching the figure. <laughs> Speaking of any other places in Athens, have you found any other places you'd like to eat, hang out at? Uh, I mean. Hit, uh, Hilltop Grill is a good one. I went there the other night with my mom because she came in for the scrimmage. So that, that's one of my favorite places. How much running back did you play in high school? Not a ton. We had certain factors where I'd go in the backfield, and I also played running back in uh, Pee Wee's. So. Okay. When did like tight end 
kind of what you knew where your frame and speed was best going to fit. Uh, I, I thought I was going to be a tight end ever since freshman year of high school. But the um, freshman year I moved to quarterback because we knew the quarterback for triple option. And then that got changed, so I moved out to receiver because I was, like, pretty skinny. And then junior year I kind of settled into the role because I always knew I was going to, like, fill out more than I was sophomore year. So I guess freshman year I kind of, like, saw it in my future, and then it just kept happening that way. Does it sometimes when you look at Darnell and Eric, especially sometimes one of you guys play the same position there. I mean, you guys are different oh, yeah. sizes and different kind of skill yeah. sets. Like on, on the field, like when you see it, like I'm, I'm standing behind Darnell getting set, he's getting set, and I'm just like, he's just a massive human. Yeah. Um, I'm not just nowhere near as big as him. Brock, obviously you missed the spring with the shoulder injury. Was that something that you played through last year? I remember Kirby saying something about that towards the playoff. And what were you able to do this spring still? Uh, yeah, I uh, – I heard right after the SC Championship game, like in, during practice that during December. So I played the playoff game and the national championship with it. And then during spring, I couldn't practice. So I was on the, on the side working out, uh, running a bunch. And yeah, I was just working out on the side. Any favorite tight ends? I, I remember when you came in, I kept hearing a lot of comparisons to George Kittle. Was there any guys you like to watch or emulate? Or? Yeah, I, I think my favorite is uh, Kittle, just watching him. I think it's my favorite. What's some of the biggest ways you want to see your game grow this season? I, uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess just keep working on little stuff in like the passing game and just being more physical and striking people in the in the run game. I think. How many players on this team are faster than you? Have you gotten into races with anybody? <laughs> um. There, there are some dudes that are faster than me, definitely. I hate, I hate to admit it, but yeah, there definitely, definitely are a couple. So. What do you tell people who ask you what you're going to do for an encore after the year you had last year? I guess we'll see. Just taking it day by day. I'm, I try not to like focus on like the whole scheme of things. I try to focus on the next thing. So, yeah. Getting back to Darnell and really the whole entire tight end. Off the field, what do you guys like? Spend a lot of time together? Or you have kind of what's the problem you felt like the tight end group? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right before camp, we had a little uh, like cookout type thing. We all hung out at one of our uh, friend's house and went over to Hartley. We go over to Hartley's house sometimes to go eat dinner. Uh, just little stuff like that. So, do people are people surprised to know you are who you are? Like, I guess you you weren't very visible as a freshman and. Like you're not like imposing like some other <laughs> yeah. guys on offense, or people like oh, wait, I mean, I I guess I'm I'm not sure. I, have you like have you oh yeah, that? Like, so, some people be like, oh, like you're not as big as like I thought I thought you're gonna be, or some people be like you're bigger than I thought. It's kind of either way. Have you know. ever run into anybody that doesn't believe your back powers? I know that's happened to some other uh, football players. Oh. I feel like if they don't know, they don't say anything. Is there a story behind the number 19? Any story behind your number? I guess there's not really a story behind my number. I, um, Coach Harley gave me a few choices, and I just went with 19. There's not really much much to go, go off of. What have you seen out of Oscar Delp, and what do you think he can add to this group? Oh, yeah, Oscar, he's been, he's been playing really hard. Uh, he, he's been learning the playbook really good, and... Uh, we're just all supporting him, and we're just – he's getting a lot better day by day, so it's good to see. In just one or two words, how would you describe this tight end room? 
guess elite. Thank you, Brian. All right, guys, uh, looking at two weeks until kickoff, Georgia and Oregon. I mean, we're beating the drum here at Dogs HQ. Uh, we have our seven-day free trial. If you're not already a premium subscriber, you missed out on the $1 for a month and $10 for a year, I'm sorry to say. But we do appreciate you listening and invite you to see what we got going on over on the message boards. It's a lot of fun. Things are heating up. People are getting antsy over there, too. We've seen you know, the volume of posts and people joining. Uh, as we get closer, is certainly uh, just a buzz you can feel on that message board. It's a lot of fun and also a lot of premium insight. Uh, from Palmer at practice, from Jake on the recruiting trail, and whatever the hell else I'm writing about. So go check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Dogs HQ, and uh, obviously we're everywhere on social media as well. Guys, any final thoughts as we head into this weekend and get one Saturday closer to Georgia and Oregon? I think for me, you know, it's uh, just about continuing to develop these young guys on defense. Um, you know, you're going to get a baptism by fire uh, in game one. So, uh, you know, anything they, they can throw at these guys over the next couple of weeks, I know that they will. Um, but that's, to me, the all-important thing is, you know, can you have them ready for those West Coast skill guys because they got some outstanding players out there at Oregon. Um, you know, Georgia's got outstanding players too, uh, but can they do it when the lights are on? Yeah, big scrimmage this Saturday, second one of the fall. They'll they'll run another scrimmage uh, next Saturday, but it'll be toned down for sure. Uh, more of a walkthrough of sorts to to get a feel for what a Saturday will really look like in in full. Um, so this is really the the final scrimmage of the fall uh, in terms of the pads popping and and stuff like that. So um, you know you certainly want to see some of those guys uh, that are taking steps forward continue to take steps forward. And uh, if you're gonna do so, now's the time to do it. So lights at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Georgia, Oregon coming soon. Dogs and ducks, baby. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>